The Holy Gospel according to Luke, the ninth chapter. When the days drew near for Jesus to be taken up, he set his face to go to Jerusalem. And he sent messengers ahead of him. On their way, they entered a village of the Samaritans to make ready for him. But they did not receive him because Jesus was set toward Jerusalem. When his disciples James and John saw it, they said, Lord, do you want us to command fire to come down from heaven and consume them? But Jesus turned and rebuked them. Then they went on to another village. As they were going along the road, someone said to Jesus, I will follow you wherever you go. And Jesus said to him, Foxes have holes, and birds of the air have nests, but the Son of Man has nowhere to lay his head. To another he said, follow me. But he said, Lord, uh, uh, you know, first let me go bury my father. But Jesus said to him, let the dead bury their own dead. But as for you, go and proclaim the kingdom of God. Another said, I will follow you, Lord, but, but let me first say farewell to those at my home. Jesus said to him, No one who puts a hand to the plow and looks back is fit for the kingdom of God. This is the gospel of the Lord. Are the kind of person that works well under a deadline. Works well under a pressure. Hillary, thanks for being honest. I am right there with you. <laughs> In fact, for this bulleted, Nancy had to give me a deadline. Um, you know, some of us work really well that way because to try and plan things too far in advance just becomes hard to set those priorities of what needs to happen in increments of time leading up to this really far and distant point in the future. Some of us need the, that, that pressure of a deadline for our brains to be able to focus exactly on what needs to be done so that we can prioritize all of the steps in order to make that happen. For some of us, it takes that kind of urgency or deadline looming over us to get us to do what needs to happen. The open-ended projects, whether at work or at home or in our lives, or things that we would like to do someday, seem to get pushed back farther and farther until a time when we'll eventually get around to it. With so many obligations, so many responsibilities, always vying for our time and attention, it can be easy for us to lose sight of what our priorities are on a daily basis. We might choose instead to do something that we enjoy rather than finishing what we know needs to be done. All right, when you first heard our gospel story for today, it might have left you thinking, how can Jesus be so cold? How can he be so incredibly cold to his disciples, to the people around, to people nowadays who hear these words? Well, let's first take it in two parts. If Luke's gospel were to be turned into a Hollywood movie, 
as soon as the opening verse spoken by the narrator was said on the big screen, you would immediately hear the music, this ominous music played in the background when Jesus set his face toward Jerusalem. Dun, dun, dun! And you would know that something dangerous and terrifying was going to happen next. As soon as you heard Jerusalem, you knew that it was going to be dangerous for Jesus. And yet, this is where Jesus puts his mind, turns his face, puts his energy and attention on. So for all of us, we know that's his frame of mind. He knows he's turning from building his ministry, of proclaiming good news of what God has done, of healing people, of teaching them about God's love, to now trying to prepare his disciples to carry that work on without him. Because he knows that as soon as he gets to, to Jerusalem, he's not going to have much time to live. He knows he will face his death. And so there's this urgency about Jesus now, this kind of impatience. And one of the first things that we hear about is that it becomes this turning point in Luke's gospel. And so where are they? They're in a Samaritan village, okay? Now, Samaritans and Jews were related to each other way back in the day, but throughout the years, Samaritans began marrying people outside the Jewish tradition, and so they were considered of mixed blood. And so therefore, the Jewish people and the Samaritans didn't get along with one another anymore. They were like oil and water, constantly fighting, constantly figuring out whose territory was whose. And so already, that's happening. And then the people who are sent to their village to try and prepare them for Jesus, who is going to come and visit them, they don't receive those messengers. But did you notice why they don't receive them? It wasn't simply because of the fact that they were Jewish. It was because they knew that Jesus had already turned his face to Jerusalem. If Jesus would have been willing to stay in their community, to be able to teach and preach and heal their sick, in the ways that they had heard Jesus was doing all throughout the country, it might have been a different story. But instead, they knew his visit to their community was only going to be for a short time before he'd be on his way. And then, this is where James and John, so human, instantly want to take the Luke's Hollywood version of the movie to the next level with all of the special effects that they could imagine, like from 2 Kings in the Old Testament where fire came down. And they asked Jesus, Lord, just command it to be so. And Jesus is like, oh, have you not listened to a thing I have tried to tell you? Just a little bit ago, when Jesus sent out 70 of his followers to go and do his work, what did he say? If a town, if people don't receive you, shake off the dust 
from your sandals as you leave. <laughs> Not have fire rain down upon them. Move on. Move on to people who are willing to hear, who are willing to listen to this radical good news. And then Jesus, we hear, went on to the next village. It was his way of saying to James and John and all of us, move on. Move on from the things that catch you up at times. Move on from the things about our human nature that try to get us in trouble when we are more focused on our power, when we are filled with anger or resentment or rage, or when we start fighting with one another. Move on from those things that Paul describes as just desires of our flesh. And follow me. Follow me in the path that I have set before you, a path that looks much more like the fruits of the Spirit that Paul describes for us. Love, joy, patience, kindness, generosity, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. These are Jesus' priorities in the remaining time that he has left. Now, in the next section of our gospel passage, Jesus' words seem so incredibly harsh. When would you ever hear Mark Krause or any other caring funeral director say to you, let the dead go and bury their own dead? <laughs> you would never hear them say that, right? So why is Jesus saying this of all things to people? Well, this is where we hear Jesus in so many places in scripture say something so exaggerating because he wants to make a point. It's a hyperbole to get people to think about what he's actually saying. Like when he says, you know, if your sin, if your eye causes you to sin, rip it out and throw it away. Or if your arm causes you to sin, cut it off and throw it away. Jesus isn't speaking literally. He's speaking in such a dramatic way to try and prove a point. So what do you think Jesus is trying to say here? The key to understanding this is how our passage begins. Jesus set his face toward Jerusalem. His time is short, and he knows it. All of his energy is being spent on trying to create followers who are willing to do this work that he has invited them to. He knows that the end is near, and he doesn't have time for people who are willing to follow him at some later point in the future, when it works out for them, when the year of mourning has come to an end, as in the Jewish culture, and then they'll be ready to follow Jesus. Or the people who have, but first, but first, I have to do this. And they put off following Jesus now. Jesus wants us to follow him today. Not tomorrow, not next year, not when it fits into our busy schedules. But Jesus wants us to turn toward him now. 
All right, let's move on to the Jesus' next point. There was this church that once was overflowing with members, had over 200 kids in Sunday school, 1,000 people on Christmas Eve. But things were not like that anymore. And so they hired these church consultants to come in and try and assess why this church was declining in numbers. And after listening to the stories of people gathered around who talked about the good old days, about pastors and members who did this and that, and all of these things that the congregation used to do for people, the consultants came back and told the people, no one who looks, no one who has a hand to the plowshare and looks back is fit for the kingdom of God. All right, the, the consultants didn't really say that so in those exact words, but that was basically the essence of what they said because they said, when you are spending so much time and attention on looking back at looking at what used to have what used to happen of the people who are no longer a part of this place, either because they've moved or have passed away, and you're not focused on the now. You're not focused on the people who are with you now and the potential that you have to do my work now, to do Jesus' work now. Then you're dying. It's one thing to be able to give thanks for the people and the ministry and the history of the past, but you can't keep your focus there. You have to be living in the present. That's what it looks like to be followers here and now. As we live from day to day, especially when there isn't some urgent crisis in front of us, it's easy to get our priorities all mixed up so that we lose sight of what's most important in our lives. It's so easy to get our priorities mixed up so that we don't know what to do and how to spend our time and where our attention should be. Now let me be clear, I don't think that Jesus is trying to tell us that in order to follow him we have to let the dead go and bury themselves or we can't ever talk to our families again. But I think what Jesus is trying to say, that in the midst of all of those things, remember Jesus. Remember Jesus first in our lives, not last in our lives when there's a problem and we need help. But remember Jesus first in our lives. Go to him first and keep on seeking to follow Jesus in the path that he leads us on. So that when we are grieving in life, or when we are suffering or hurting inside, we also trust in what Jesus has done for us. And we don't delay in sharing good news of what God has done through Jesus with others. Following Jesus is not about, is about recognizing and sharing of what Jesus has done in our lives of what Jesus has done even through his death, of how it gives us this promise of life, of eternal life, of how it's a sign that God is present with us in everything that we go through, especially when we are hurting and suffering the most. And we do well when our priorities for the day include 
How can we live by the gifts of the Spirit? So when it comes to being a follower of Jesus, instead of treating it as one of those things that you will get to when you have time, think of it as a matter of life and death. And I guarantee you, you will know what your priorities will be. Amen.